I'm Leanne Spencer, founder of Body Shop Performance Limited, best-selling author, TEDx speaker, and your host. This is the Remove the Guesswork podcast, the show where I interview influential people in the health, fitness, and well-being space to bring you the latest ideas on how to optimize your mind, body, and well-being. The show is brought to you by my company, Body Shop Performance. We create total solutions to optimize your health by focusing on sleep, mental health, energy, body composition, digestion, and fitness. We work with busy professionals on a one-to-one basis for six or 12 months using the latest science and technology. And Body Shop also work with businesses who want to create a culture of energy, vitality and performance and position well-being as a competitive advantage. Find out more at bodyshopperformance.com and enjoy the show. Hello, welcome back to the Remove the Guesswork podcast. I'm your host, Leanne Spencer. And my guest this week is someone I actually just met for the first time online. His name is Sebastian Bates. Sebastian has 20 years experience in six different martial art disciplines. So Taekwondo, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, boxing, Mai Tai, kickboxing and Kung Fu. He's competed globally as a professional and an amateur athlete. He was the British champion in two different styles of Taekwondo. And more recently, he's the founder of the Warrior Academy, initially based in Britain, but in Dubai as well, which he founded in 2010. It's a combination of modern training with traditional values. He's written a book of the same name, The Warrior Academy, and he's now based predominantly out in Dubai, where he works with schools and organizations in the capacity of The Warrior Academy, but also focusing on bullying, I believe. So, Sebastian, welcome to the show. Thanks very much for having me. No, absolute pleasure. Looking forward to this. Tell me a bit about how you got into martial arts, because you're obviously into it in a big way and you were professional for a while. What was it that drew you into the sport? So I think initially, actually, I was about seven years old and we were moving around a lot as a sort of military family. So previously we were in Bristol, then we were in all the shots, then we moved to um, Bradford, Naven and Wiltshire. And I was going through quite a bit of bullying at the time, just because of these transitions that were going on. Mm. Um, And my parents wanted to put me into something that would build my confidence. And so, you know, martial arts is the kind of typical route parents look for when that comes up. And so I I went to a local Taekwondo club and, you know, really, really loved it from, from the first day. Tell me a bit about Taekwondo, because it's not a discipline I'm that familiar with. What's the essence of it? What's the origins of it as well? So Taekwondo essentially kind of evolved from karate from Japan, and then it was actually born in South Korea. So that was around the 1940s, 1950s, it really evolved. And so Taekwondo essentially was designed to be a very efficient martial art. But over time, that's kind of evolved. And, you know, things like freestyle Taekwondo have come out trying to keep the same sort of spirit of that efficiency. Mm. So there's a lot of kicking involved, a lot of, um, especially in ITF Taekwondo. So you've got ITF and you've got WTF. Um, WTF is what you sort of see in the Olympics. ITF has got a lot more hand techniques and a lot more um, punching and stuff. So right. with kind of freestyle Taekwondo, we teach, you know, traditional Taekwondo, but we've got a different guard. So our guard's a lot higher. It's a lot more efficient. And we add in other elements as well from Muay Thai and that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what impact did it have on you in terms of your confidence and self-esteem? So essentially, you know, the way that, you know, martial arts, especially Taekwondo, when you've got the belt system, we found that it really sort of nurtures people through this journey along from white belt to black belt. And I really experienced that myself. So, you know, personally with our Warrior Academy students, they, they tend to stay on average six to eight years. Right. And so that guide through, you know, the three biggest transitions that we found young people go through, which is, changing school, going through bullying as a transition and adolescence. And so I found mentoring, you know, with my instructor and through that black belt community really helped me through that transitions and, you know, gradually 
my confidence and my sort of self-esteem, my self-image, my, my self-talk all completely evolved through that. But how did it affect the bullying? I mean, did you feel, because I mean, to backtrack, it's, it's obviously a physical combat sport, I know, and it's incredibly disciplined. And it's about, I think, defence, not attack, isn't it? Or attack only is a form of defence. What impact did that have on the bullying? How were you better able to sort of combat that? I think the great thing about learning self-defence is that a lot of the time you're reacting in a very emotional way when someone is aggressive towards you or bullying you or victimising you. But having that you know, understanding that you know how to defend yourself, even if you don't use it, just changes the way you approach situations. It changes the way you react in an emotional, emotional way. I think that's very becomes very visible with your body language, the way you talk, um, but also the way you kind of believe in yourself. And even if there are other sort of incidences, it, it sort of just becomes very visible that you're a confident person by going through that. Mm. Yeah. And did the bullying stop? The bullying took about three and a half years for me to transition through. And it was you know, a multitude of different reasons, really. But I think, you know, I went from a school in, in Aldershot, in, in a sort of army neighbourhood, where there was about 40 students in the school. The teachers really struggled um, to manage that many students. So there was a high turnover of teachers. We had about 13 you know, TAs and regular teachers who, who came and went in, in sort of a year and a half. And then we, when we moved to Bradford Navon, I was in a class with about 12 students in a really, really old school environment. And I was behind academically. So all these, you know, various things were making me a sort of the perfect you know, person to be victimized in that situation, mm. um, especially kind of being the new kid. So yeah, I mean, you know, it took about seven years old till about 10 years old to go through it all. But yeah, eventually it completely stopped. And I think one of the biggest things that we try and teach parents when we're helping them mentor their children through bullying is that it's not a one-off event. You know, these things, they come into our life because we need to learn a lesson. We need to learn how to deal with confrontation, you know, how to deal with, with conflict and how to, you know, respond properly. And I think if, if we don't teach people how to do it and they don't learn how to overcome that, then it just repeats itself again and again and again. And that's why you see adults, you know, going through bullying in the workplace mm. and so you know what we're trying to do a lot with the with our bullying program is not only to teach children how to overcome it but also teach children why it occurs in the first place and so step one of our our six steps to overcome bullying is to put bullying in the right context because there's something ridiculous like 85 percent of students who go through bullying actually become bullies themselves so, yeah, so, I mean, you know, I'm writing this book called Not a Victim right now. It's given me so many insights into, you know, why bullying occurs, and especially working with over 5,000 families around the world over the last sort of eight, nine years. It's just given me such amazing insight into it. And I, I felt compelled to write this book just because it's not just the child that goes through it. It's the whole family. Mm. So, you know, I could, I could talk about this for hours, but bullying is a massive part of why I, you know, created the War Academy 10 years ago, or eight years ago, and, you know, writing the book. The reason for that is because I just couldn't stand the sort of hopelessness and helplessness that parents go through when they watch their child go through this time and time again, and they can't seem to find a way out of it. Yeah. It's just a eating cycle. Yeah. I mean, have you got children yourself? I've got one, yes. One little warrior. Right. One little warrior. So how old, how old is he or she? She, I think, isn't it? She is two years old now, yeah. Okay, brilliant. Have you got her into any of the principles of, of training or...? I actually teach her affirmations. So I have her saying things like, I am kind and I am brave and that sort of stuff. Um, as a sort of daily routine, which is quite cool. And she can bow when she enters the room. She can do a few kicks and punches and, you know, she can use nunchucks. So 
you know, obviously she's got no choice as a family business. So yeah. that's, that's her future. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's all just play. You know, she watches some of the classes and we don't even do anything with her. She just picks it up, goes home, picks up a pair of nunchucks and she's off. A pair of what? Nunchucks? What are they? Nunchucks, yeah. It's like two bits of with the, with the children, their foam and then a, a chain in between. You ever seen those before? You think like a Ninja Turtle and you know exactly what I mean. Yeah, I know what you mean. Mm. So yeah, she's picked those up a couple of times and it's amazing what they can pick up just from watching, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Well, I was going to talk a bit more about you and your career as a professional athlete, but actually let's come back to that. Let's, let's continue the conversation around bullying because this is a podcast around health, fitness and wellbeing, but bullying affects a lot of people. And, and typically it'd be adults listening to this show, but as you say, they will still be impacted some way, perhaps by that bullying. So mm. talk to me about what you do within the Warrior Academy, how you help people, what you empower them with. Is there a methodology you follow? Yeah, absolutely. So as you mentioned, I wrote the book, The Warrior Method, which basically details our methodology for, you know, developing character. So rather than, you know, teaching, you know, children to defend themselves as our main focus, that's kind of a byproduct. We use martial arts as the vehicle to up a child's character, just because it's just such an empowering thing to teach a child. And there's so many sort of, you know, lessons and values and amazing moral compass that we give a child through doing that. So the first thing we do is we interview every, every parent who wants to join our academy. And it's normally a 20, 30 minute interview where we really try to get to know them. And so what we try and do is we try and discover their child's breakthrough area. And so when you're talking about character development, we've, you know, narrowed this down the three C's. So that's confidence, conduct, and concentration. Mm-hmm. And you know, typically you'll have, you know, typically a child will have high levels of one, but low levels of the other two or high levels of two, but low levels of one. So for instance, a child might be really confident, but they'll lack in conduct and behavior um, and concentration, or they may have amazing, you know, concentration and behavior conduct, but they'll lack in confidence. And so, you know, these different aspects, they can bring them down across the board but what we do is we find out, we've got an assessment we use to find out, you know, how to, how to bring that up. And we really focus as a team on that specific target, you know, that confidence, conduct or concentration. And it's normally within the first three months, you know, from focusing on that one specific area that we see a real radical shift. So we develop the, comp, you know, we develop um, concentration and suddenly their grades in school shoot up. They want to focus more because they want to focus more. They enjoy school more. Suddenly they're making more friends socially, you know, they're, they're fitting in more, you know, the mental health improves. It's amazing the knock-on effect of these three C's. Mm. So the end goal, rather than being a black belt, is a black belt character. And that's a child with, you know, high levels of conduct, concentration and confidence. Someone with a really developed moral compass. Someone who's quite happy to lead a group, express their opinions. You know, someone who, especially nowadays, now we've gone global, we really try and teach our students that it's their responsibility to impact the world. And, you know, giving them the confidence, moral compass and conviction to do that themselves. Love it. Yeah. And is it kids only or do you work with adults? You work with adults. I mean, it's, it's, if we're doing adults, it's mostly one-on-ones or our family classes. Mm-hmm. So we, we run these family classes, which are absolutely epic. I think it's my favorite class to teach um, just because it's, you know, initially I always thought it's best to separate that, you know, a parent and a child, because how can I as an instructor give them, you know, the most development when they're combined in a class. But when I became a dad, that completely changed. And I just saw how, if we do a family class at the beginning of the weekend, like we do in Dubai and we're starting in England now, then you've got, you know, parents, it's the only chance they, you know, for some of these busy parents, they've got to bond with their children. And if you do it, you structure it at the very beginning of the week, sorry, beginning of the weekend, it sets the whole weekend off in a positive way. They're already doing something together, which, you know, develops so many amazing values. 
and then everyone's on the same page. So, so in terms of adult classes, that's how we try and put it through our character development program. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does completely. And I guess we've touched on some of the emotional changes or the the changes relating to to somebody's emotional well-being. But what about some of the physical adaptations they get through training? I mean, are you working with the autonomic nervous system to try and help them get from sympathetic to parasympathetic dominance? Or talk to me a bit about that. Yeah, sure. So, so I mean, in, you know, martial arts, one of those things which, you know, a lot like gymnastics, you're targeting so many different aspects of, you know, physical development. So there's, there's the whole idea of flexibility and movement, having that fluid movement in place. You know, reaction skills are a massive part of what we do. You know, we've got the strength endurance that they develop through the training as well as well as the stamina, you know, typically 20, 30 minutes are out of breath in the class. I mean, for most of our students, they train, you know, one to four times a week. And on top of that, we teach them daily habits. We teach them a daily habits routine. And a lot, a lot of that is kind of, you know, about muscle memory and really trying to, to drill this into, you know, getting their bodies used to doing a certain amount of reps and then bringing that up gradually, as well as, you know, aspects of meditation and gratitude training and that sort of stuff. So it's really the whole package that we try and work with. Yeah, I love that. I love the whole working with them with meditation and other things that are, I think are great skills for kids to learn. If you can get a good meditation practice in for a child at that, that sort of, what sort of age are you working with typically? So we typically work with about four years old up to about 18. Wow. So if you can get a four-year-old in that sort of headspace to meditate and really associate with the benefits of meditation, that's a huge skill to empower them with at that age. 100%. And I think what's interesting as well is eight years ago, I brought meditation into these schools in Somerset, where it was, you know, some of the schools, we actually weren't allowed to do it. Really? On what basis? They thought it was a, a Buddhist thing. So these were, you know, Church of England schools or things like that. So, right. but the majority were really, you know, interested into it. And I had done a lot of it in Thailand when I was, I was being mentored by my trainer, who was obviously a Buddhist. And we went to the temple quite a bit together before training and before the fight. So, you know, bringing that back, to the UK. It was really interesting eight years ago. Now it's everywhere, right? But mm. back then it was, you know, unbelievable, not even that long ago, but it was a different story. So what's, you know, what we've actually done is we've actually made a child's ability to focus through meditation part of our assessment criteria. So for instance, you go to a normal martial arts club and if they do any meditation, which the majority don't, it's never assessed. So what we do is we, we have a self-control test or a challenge that we call it. And you know, children have to sit down for five minutes, with their eyes closed, their hands on their knees, and focus on their breathing without fidgeting, without moving, without opening their eyes. Um, we've got children who are, you know, four or five years old with severe ADHD on medication. And because of the way we implement this into the class, and we have a reward structure in place where they, you know, do this as a drill before each game or before each exercise, then, you know, they're able to sit there for five minutes and even 10 minutes, you know, completely zoning on to that you know their breathing and thinking about nothing else mm. and you know parents are amazed by this we've had parents you know in tears watching this but the thing that really inspires me is that we teach all these you know things that we think are really going to help and we plant these seeds but the inspiring bit is that these seeds compound over time especially when you talk about character development because you know it's so important that these lessons are learned it's, it's more important than the development of high grades or other academic success and so you know, watching that develop over time and then seeing how the decisions they make change because of the lessons they've learned is really, really interesting. Mm. Especially when you talk about meditation and you mentioned there, you know, teaching this from a young age can be so powerful. And the reason for that is, you know, you're teaching a child how to deal with stress and anxiety, you know, high emotions, distress, because they're able to find that headspace. 
Yeah. And they're able to sit down and just focus on their breathing. And that's been so useful, especially when we, when we work with children who've gone through trauma, you know, and we're able to give them that as a, as a skill really that they can use. And when you, when you look at, you know, mindfulness meditation and you look at martial arts and you think about how often are you realistically going to, you have to defend yourself from an attack. Well, not very often, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, I kind of see meditation and mindfulness as like the ultimate form of self-defense because how often do you have to defend yourself from negative self-talk? Yeah. Yeah. Very powerful. So, yeah. I love it. I think a lot of what you've just said whilst we were talking about children can definitely apply to the adults who are listening, you know, that, that mastery of yourself, whether it's the emotional self or the physical self is something that a lot of people need. Yeah. They don't necessarily, you know, know how to do that. You talked a bit about daily habits. We mentioned meditation. What are some of the other daily habits that you encourage the children to adopt or insist on as part of the program? Yeah, sure. So each child is equipped in Dubai. We've just launched this. We're launching it in the UK shortly with a character development workbook. And that guides them through how to develop um, their daily habit routine. So every morning we expect children to have a daily habit routine, which follows the three C's. And the idea really is that it's got to be so easy that they can stick to it for the long term. Um, so it builds into a habit, which they don't even need to think about. It just, it just happens. The tricky thing there is a lot of parents try and you know, put more and more onto this and then you know, the, the whole system collapses. And my reaction to that is we've got to stop the whole routine entirely, take one aspect and restart just because it's designed to give a child confidence. Mm. You know, more than the physical, we're working with the mental. We're using the physical to develop the mental side of what we're doing and the character, right? So for instance, the three C's, confidence, conduct, concentration, we build our daily habits around that. So we use something physical to develop their confidence. So a child might wake up, they'll do 10, 20 press-ups as soon as they wake up. You know, you, you start to feel amazing, your endorphins start buzzing. The next thing is, so with conduct, we ask children to do something for someone else. So that can be at a very young age, making their bed, or it can be laying the table for breakfast. But what we found to be really useful is teaching a practice of gratitude. So they'll write down one thing or two things they're really grateful for each day. And over a you know, three-month term, that's about 90 to 120 things they're grateful for, which they can reflect on. And we'll talk about it in class all the time as well. And the third thing, in concentration, there's this element of meditation, which is you know, typically 60 to 120 seconds long. So this whole daily habit routine is just designed to get students into that kind of repetitive behavior of working on those three Cs. And it shouldn't take more than 90 to you know, 120 seconds, but it should be something they stick to. Mm. And, you know, from doing that, we've noticed so many massive developments. It's, it's really incredible. Yeah. And what about yourself? What are some of your daily habits? Have they changed from being a professional athlete to now? What, what are they? Yeah. I mean, now, you know, so for instance, a typical morning for me um, as a daily habit, I'll wake up about 6.30. And first thing I'll do is have like an ice cold lemon water. I try not to have coffee as soon as I wake up because I feel like the body is trying to wake itself up anyway. Mm -hmm. So I'll have you know, a pint or lemon water, rehydrate, and then I'll have you know, a coffee, just a black coffee. Then I'll, then I'll pick up my daughter and feed her. And then typically, you know, it's 10, 15 minutes meditation. And what I do in terms of work is I, I tend to you know, do the toughest bits of my work first in the day. So at about you know, 7, 45, 8 a.m., I do what I call a delegation list. So I go through all of the stuff I'm expecting to do today and I try and delegate as much of it as possible. And mm -hmm. um, that takes about 10 minutes. Um, and normally I'm left with very few things. And then I'll spend the next hour just doing the, the biggest task of the day. So 8.30, I'm finished. 
nine till 10, I'll train. Um, typically it's weights or um, high intensity interval training or, you know, some sort of martial arts, sort of bag work, that sort of stuff. And by 10 a.m., you know, I'm home by 10, 15 in the morning and my day's, you know, a raging success. <laughs> I can relax the rest of the day or I can carry on working. It's up to me what I do at that point. Um, normally I'm teaching or, you know, having meetings or whatever. But even if I don't, it's, it's already been a great success. So that puts me in the right sort of frame. It makes me step out of side, you know, step off the bed, the, the right side of the bed or whatever the, <laughs> whatever the saying is. Yeah. That's escaping right now. <laughs> yeah. What do you think to the, the idea that the body is actually better doing something that's fairly parasympathetic dominant in the morning? And I think it's protein synthesis, testosterone, and various other things are at their peak mid-afternoon, and that's a better time to do some of the more high-intensity or heavy lifting. What do you think to that idea, or do you just do it in the beginning of the day because you like to, as I do, get it done and leave the rest of the day open? I think in everything I do, I try and, you know, strip the complicated and, you know, try and make it as minimalist and easy as possible. And I think it's great if you're training in the afternoon, but what's more important, and you might get 20%, you know, development from that, if that's your body type or whatever. But if you feel mentally, you're more likely to stick to your training if it's early in the morning. Mm. And if you feel that because you're doing it in the morning, it's not something that's hanging over your mind that you haven't done. And if you think that the rest of your day, you're going to benefit from mentally, and you're going to be more of a positive state, then, you know, you've got to wear it up. And I think, you know, for me, training in the morning just puts me in such a good mood, yeah. um, which influences everything I do, you know, and if I, you know, I really believe, you know, that physical health is kind of vital for mental health. And if I, don't, if I have a week off training, I, you know, I can see it directly impact my work, my relationships, happiness, state of mind. So for me, it, it's actually more of a mental thing than a physical thing. I know that might sound weird, but. No, I completely agree. I mean, it is, it is about the physical training and, but it's as much mental for me as anything. I cannot imagine not doing the volume of exercise I do. Obviously that ebbs and flows, you know, this morning, in fact, I was due to get up really early for a spin class. I woke up at four in the morning, went back to sleep at five, which meant the alarm was going off 35 minutes later to be on a spin bike at 6.30, hammering it for 45 minutes, very sympathetic dominant. And I've been doing some filming this morning, as we said, before we came online. And I thought, actually, if I snooze this alarm, I don't have to be up till half seven. That's an extra two hours sleep. So that's what I did. That's unusual, but I don't consider that lazy. That's just thinking actually what is best for me right now mentally physically emotionally mm-hmm. and it's probably to get that extra two hours of sleep so do you have the same pr- approach to your training where you will flex it according to what's going on how you feel subjectively totally totally and, and i think it's whatever you're going to do just do it 100 percent. so if i've decided to take the day off like i'm gonna i'm gonna do that 100 <laughs> percent. do you know what i mean yeah i'm not gonna have any guilt associated with taking the day off it's gonna be purely a decision i've made because i want to recover mentally physically whatever that is and so, yeah, I completely understand. And I completely agree with you, you know? <laughs> yeah. And what other kind of stuff do you do to relax, to get that parasympathetic dominance that we're talking about? Yeah. I mean, outside of training, it's going for walks, you know, as, as much time as I can spend in nature as possible. Yeah, agreed. I will do. And, um, you know, in terms of, you know, being in a flow state is when I'm most relaxed. And that's changed for me over the years um, from, you know, skydiving to base jumping to professional fighting to flying planes to all sorts of different stuff to meditating when I couldn't, you know, do any training at all through injury or, you know, whatever. But I think having an element of that is just so important in your, in your daily or weekly life. But, you know, I think gradually as you kind of become more aware of the present, you just, you find a way of throwing yourself into it, mm. whether that's, you know, enjoy, enjoying a good view or, you know, going on a walk with your, with your family or your dogs or your daughter or, you know, just really trying to, to relax and yeah you know that's but yeah I mean 
going back to that flow state, that's when I find the most relaxation. You're not thinking about emails when you're when you're flying a plane over the south of England. You know what I mean? You're not thinking about emails when you're about to step into a ring. You're fighting someone who's much, much better than you. You're not thinking about, you know, emails or there's no stress in your head when you're jumping off a cliff with a wingsuit. So, <laughs> you know, so certainly having a flow state makes it much easier to relax. And having the skill to be able to put yourself into that is really, really important, I think. And if people wanted to get into martial arts, it sounds like, I mean, my partner does Kung Fu, absolutely loves it. Sometimes it could be very physical, sometimes less so, but she always comes back in quite a meditative state, absolutely loves it. And my nephew as well was put into martial arts because he was being bullied and it really helped with his confidence and so on. If someone's looking to get into it, how do they do so, either via you or if what parts of the UK do you serve? So we are Wiltshire, Somerset, a little bit of Hampshire, a bit of Dorset. Okay. Pretty much between Bristol and Southampton. Yeah. Okay. In terms of looking for a good martial arts club, you've got to look at it as what it is you're looking for and what do you enjoy. Um, certain martial arts styles, you know, they're high impact. So you look at you look at Muay Thai, for instance. It's one of the most practical and efficient, but also how to put this most intense and brutal martial arts just because of the way it develops over time and if you do it at a very high level you're not wearing any pads apart from a groin guard and gloves it's pretty raw and you know you're struggling with knees and elbows the opposite end of that you've got things like tai chi which is completely zero contact and it's more about you know specific movements that flow together in a sequence and that's a lot about headspace and calming the mind so the beauty of martial arts is there's so many and this is why i'm completely fascinated by martial arts and have been for the last 25 years is that, you know, you can do it for so many different reasons. You know, some martial arts, you know, they look more like a dance than a combat form. And others, they very much look like a combat form. For me, it was always about chasing the martial art that was most efficient to make me as efficient as possible in defending myself. But I had such a love for competing, which is why I've competed so much in, in lots of different styles. And trying to mesh those styles together in a very freestyle cross-training way mm. to give me the skills to fight standing up on the ground. But yeah, looking for a martial art, it really depends what you want and, you know, what your goals are, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, there's quite a few clubs around, I think. I've seen just certainly in London, there are a lot. And I'm sure throughout the country, I think it's there's quite a lot of awareness, aren't there, of martial arts? 100%, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's brilliant. I absolutely love that, you know. And you look at something like Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, that's, you know, taking off massively nowadays, which, yep. which is great. And I've, I've absolutely, you know, really, really enjoyed that. So there's so much choice, which is great, isn't it? But at the end of the day, you know, my approach has always been, you know, just, just to try things. But with me personally, you know, it's trying something, get it, I tend to get really into it and then want to compete in it because I know that's the best way to grow and gain experience in it, which you just evolve and step up when you start competing in something, you know? Yeah. Your book, The Warrior Academy, The Warrior Method, sorry, is out now. Just tell me a little bit about the new book you're working on. Sure. Yeah. So the new book is called Not a Victim. And I'm co-authoring that with a good friend called Menno. Menno is also a martial artist, um, but he's also a cognitive specialist. Uh, so he's doing the whole cognitive aspect of the book. Um, my advice in the book is, is very, very practical. It's based on lots of interviews of parents and lots of experience working with young people to you know, guide them through bullying. And so yeah, that, book, that book essentially is a, you know, an emergency survival guide for parents to help them mentor their child through bullying. And um, so it's, you know, it's, it's something that's been in my head a long time, you know, and you know, when you're, you're ready to write the book, when you, when you just sit down and, you know, almost 20,000 words come out in one week. Wow. It just, yeah. It just flowed. It was just really nice. You know, yeah. 
<laughs> Excellent. And when's it out? It should be out beginning of sort of January, January 2020 should be on the shelves. Okay. Excellent. All right. Well, we'll look out for that. You can be contacted on Instagram. Your personal is at seb.bates. Yep. It's at warrior underscore academy on Insta. Facebook, the Warrior Academy Limited. And your website is warrioracademy.ae for Dubai or warrioracademy.co.uk is the, the general email address. Anything I've missed from there? No, that is all accurate. Okay, nice cool. We'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll link to all of that in the show notes along with your book that's already out. Sebastian, thanks very much for your time. I really appreciate it. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. Interested in finding out what your health IQ is? Jump on our website, www.bodyshotsperformance.com and click on Take the Test. It'll take you through to a short two to three minute test. And at the end of that, you'll get a scorecard and a free 39 page report based on our six signals, sleep, mental health, energy, body composition, digestion, and fitness. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please think of someone who could really benefit from the content and hit that share button and send it across to them. And of course, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a rating and a review. Thank you very much for listening.